First time I've preached with coffee. I want to talk to you about money. The reason I want to talk to you about money is I know it's been neglected. And even though you've heard me talk about it, I still haven't gotten out everything I believe I need to say. Jesus said for the children of this world, in dealing with their fellow men, act with more business sense than those who have the light. I wonder why that is. I think when you become a believer, you almost think that all you got to do is have your relationship with God right and all the money stuff works itself out. But that's not really the truth. It doesn't happen that way. And if it did, Jesus wouldn't have said what he said. Jesus is the one who said that God's people don't understand money very well. Now, the scripture is full of warnings about not going crazy about trying to get money. Here's one, 1 Timothy 6, 9. People who want to get rich fall into temptation and a trap and into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge men into ruin and destruction. So here's a warning. And it's almost enough to tell you, don't even bother to do anything about money. But it's because we don't rightly divide the word of truth. We don't look at everything scripture has to say. Let me take you to Proverbs for just a moment. Chapter 8, does not wisdom call out? Does not understanding raise her voice? I love those who love me and those who seek me find me. This is wisdom talking. With me, with wisdom, are riches and honor. So that's the word of God. It's as inspired as, the, as what Paul said in 1 Timothy chapter 6. He said, with me are riches and honor, enduring wealth and prosperity. My fruit's better than fine gold. What I yield surpasses choice silver. I walk in the way of righteousness along the paths of justice and, and yeah, bestowing wealth on those who love me and making their treasuries full. Basically, what this is teaching us is that we're to chase wisdom, not money. Wisdom is God's currency, not the dollar, not the peso, not the euro. Wisdom, that's God's currency. So when God gives people a blessing financially, it does not come in the form of dollars. That's where we would like to get it. But that's the refined, converted process. Wisdom is where money flows first. The Bible doesn't say that God gives us money. In fact, it says in Deuteronomy 8.18, Remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the ability to produce wealth, and so command or confirms his covenant, which he swore to your forefathers as it is this day. He doesn't give us money, but he gives us the power to get it. When we begin to readjust our thinking to what the Bible teaches about money, it changes how we pursue our finances. And most people don't know how to get it. Most people don't know how it comes. Here's what Paul said to the Philippians. He said, moreover, as you Philippians know in the early days of your acquaintance with the gospel, when I set out from Macedonia, not one church shared with me in the matter, listen to this, in the matter of giving and receiving, but you only. So Paul was saying here that this financial teaching that he had in Scripture was not just about giving. And there's not a church you can go to anywhere where they don't teach about giving. Some better than others, some more frequently than others. But we get taught about giving all the time. But very little do we get any kind of education about how to receive. And that's as much a part of the gospel as is the giving side. Unfortunately, this is about the sum 
of what most people learn at church about receiving. Preacher is talking about giving, and he says, God gives back to you. And he gets up and says, somebody I didn't even know gave me a $10,000 check. Walked up and just gave it to me. Met my need. I mean, we had to have the money the next day. And God sent that person to us. So they give you a false impression. You as a businessman, you go back out in your world, and you're thinking, okay, if I really had strong faith, I, I guess someone would come up and give me money right before my great crisis. And it usually doesn't happen. Can I tell you that most people don't get up in the morning thinking about ways to give you their money? I can be pretty confident in saying, I don't know that anybody is thinking about giving you their money. And you're not thinking about how you can get your money to somebody else. So that's not how money works. And what I want you to see is that we've got to learn how this works. You know what? A useful analogy is going to work out. When you go to work out, depending on the time of year, depending on the conditions, sometimes you're going to sweat a whole lot more than others. So you can't measure the success of your workout by how much you sweat. It may be a little cooler outside, and you're jogging, you're running, you sweat, but not nearly as much as you would in the summertime. Sweat, then, is a byproduct of the exercise. Money is a byproduct of wisdom. You operate in wisdom, and as a result, money starts coming to you, sometimes more than others. So if you're pursuing wisdom, you're not going to hurt yourself. You're not going to get caught up with money. It's not going to be number one in your life. And so what I want you to see is that we've got to learn to think right. Money has to be converted. It doesn't come to us in the refined form. I learned this when I first got saved, and I would drive to church without enough gas in my tank to get home, but I had to get there. I knew it did, and I would pray for God to supply my need to get gas money, and I would open my wallet at the end of service and see if he put anything in there. Now, I know that sounds stupid, but but I grew up in a situation where I had no adults really speaking into my life. I, I had a lot of silly ideas. But what I started seeing is that God would touch the hearts of people in our church. And they would come and hand me $5 or $10. And I would see that was the hand of God. So I thought if I had real faith, he'd just create the money. But if he would have, he'd have been a counterfeiter. God's not going to create money and stick it in your wallet or stick it in your bank account. That's not how money works. Money flows through people. Now, it has to be converted. Everything in this room was here when God created the Garden of Eden on this planet, but it didn't look like this. These glass fluorescent bulbs up here and all the glass that you see, that was on a beach somewhere in sand. All of the steel was in ore in the heart of the earth. All of the... The plastics were in some petrochemical mix down in the earth. Everything that we see was here, but it didn't look like this. It had to be converted. And the best way to think about money, I think, is to think about electricity. Electricity doesn't do you any good unless it comes to you in a channel. Now, years before, men learned to harness electricity They discovered electricity, but they didn't know what they could do with it. And even to this day, there has not been a really successful 
uh, conversion for using and harnessing lightning. It's not something we've been able to do unless there's something that's just recently happened. It, it, it shows some promise because there's a tremendous amount of energy in lightning, and I suppose maybe someday they'll find some way to capture it, but right now we don't do that. But electricity doesn't start as electricity. It starts out as coal or natural gas or a hydroelectric dam with the ability to spin turbines that, that generate electricity or we have steam-fired stuff in the coal and gas plants. And that's how our electricity comes. It's converted. And so money has to be converted from one of four things. Here we are. Number one, labor. In all labor, there's profit. So you convert your labor into money. But you've known this already. Some people get more for their labor than others do. And the reason is because they have more highly skilled labor. That's why the doctor gets more money than the ditch digger. Ditch digger works probably harder physically, but he doesn't get as much money as the doctor does because the doctor has something else to go along with his labor. Wisdom. Wisdom can be converted to money. When you go to a seminar, you're going to receive wisdom. Actually, when you come to church and pay your tithe, you're paying for wisdom. Wisdom is something that you can convert into something that will bless your family. It should bless your bank account. It should bless your finances. It ought to bless you mentally. It ought to bless you in so many different ways. So wisdom can be converted to money. Then there is this thing called product where we take our labor and our wisdom and we create something that is a third standalone thing. It is a product. And the product is useful because the product can go and I don't have to go. The product can go out there. I can mass produce product and sell my product and get money in exchange for what I've done. And finally, there's one more thing that makes money and that is money itself. The more money you have and the surplus money you have, you can learn to use it to invest and turn that money into more money. But those are the four things. Everything that makes money can be put in one of those four categories. It comes through labor, wisdom, product, or other money. Now, when we start thinking about money, our thoughts ought not be, how do I get money? But that's really how we think. Our first thought when we're in a great need is, who out there can get me money? And you've got to change the way you think. I had to learn this the hard way. I did not understand this. I grew up without any money. Neither one of my parents was successful financially. Money was always a struggle for not only me, but the family I grew up in. Money was always tight. We did not have a lot. I had to adjust my thinking. I had to quit resenting rich people. I presumed that everybody who was rich was a crook. And one day the Lord spoke to me and he said, you can't be blessed financially till you quit thinking like that. He said, there are some that are crooks, but he said, there are a lot of people who worked hard and they're a blessing to this community. They've made jobs. They stuck their necks out. They brought income into this community. They put a lot of people to work. They're a blessing to a lot of folks and you're resenting them just because they have something you wish you had. You better get your attitude fixed. As long as you have that kind of an attitude, what you don't even realize, there is a spirit and it's from Satan and it's called the poverty spirit and it's designed to keep you in ignorance about money. 
and you're always resenting other people because of the habit. What I want you to see is that God wants to bless you and break that in your life so that money is not a mystery to you. Can I say this? If money is a mystery to you, you will never have much of it. You will always be its slave. Money should not be mysterious to you. Now, what I want you to see is that money flows through channels. And this is what the Bible teaches. Malachi chapter 3, it's talking about the tithe. And that's not my purpose this morning to talk to you about your giving. But I want you to see what God ties together with your giving. Bring you all the tithes into the storehouse that there may be meat in my house. And prove me now herewith, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open you the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing that there shall not be room enough to receive. God has this thing that he works through called the windows of heaven. A window, whether you think about it or not like this, is a channel. If you open your window, it will channel in cool air or hot air, depending on the season. If you pull the shades back, your window will channel light. If you had an emergency and had to get out of the house quickly, your window might channel you. But it is a passageway from one dimension to another. God says, when I give you blessings financially, they're coming through windows. And so a window is a channel. Now, because God uses channels, very often we get our eyes on the channel, and to us, that's God. That's the source. And so our primary job, our primary employment, we look to that as the source if we're not careful. It is not the source. It is only a channel. God has many channels. God said, I will open you the windows, plural, of heaven. So what I want you to see, it's a channel that brings blessing to you. It's a relationship between two parties, back to electricity. You get your electricity, your water, your natural gas, your cable, your high-speed internet, everything like that that blesses you comes to your home in some kind of a conduit. It doesn't just show up. It has to have an avenue to get to you. Money follows avenues. Now, when you get started, and you're like me when I first started walking with God and was in trouble financially and didn't have gas money, I had no idea where the money was coming from. And God was good to me, and people would give me birthday cards with a little extra money in it, or someone would give me a handshake and there'd be a $20 bill. I got money like that until I started making a good salary. When I started making a good salary, all of that ended. And it was because God was taking me to a new level of prosperity. If you don't know where your money's coming from, you are living at the lowest level of God's provision. The people who have a lot of money, they know where their money's coming from. They know how it's going to come because they understand the workings of a channel. Now, let's talk about that for a minute. Instead of thinking about how I'm going to get money, I've got to think about the way a channel works. The channel works through an exchange. And God loves exchange. 
What God doesn't like is when the exchange is dishonest. He says a false scale is an abomination, but a just weight is the Lord's delight, meaning that God loves honest trades. It's when we exchange and we rip people off, God hates that. There's nothing wrong with a fair exchange. God loves that. Some people would call that greed. There's nothing greedy about it at all. It's greedy when you take advantage of people. It's greedy when you sell somebody that you know is, is not working or it's, it's, it's got something wrong with it. God does not like that. So what I want you to see is that we operate through exchange. The whole world operates like this. The trees that we see when we go outside, they're putting something back into us. They're giving us oxygen, but they're taking something from us. They're taking what we exhale. They need our carbon dioxide. So they are able to pull that out of the atmosphere and through whatever they do, they push back oxygen. Same thing is true with bees. Bees think that they're just getting pollen to make honey, but what they're doing is they're helping the plants because the plants can't pack up and go. You might not realize this, but plants are both male and female. So that little male plant is over here looking across the garden at that female over there, and he wants to get to her. And he can't uproot and go because to uproot and go means he dies. But I've got to get over there. I've got to connect with her, and the bee comes along, and he facilitates their connection. He thinks he's just going from plant to plant with pollen, but he's taking a message from that male uh, plant, and he's carrying it over here to the female. And without bees... Uh, the plant life can't thrive. That's one of the things that the American Indians noted about when the white man began to move to the West is that they noticed along with him came the bees because crops can't grow without bees. You've got to have the bees. And that's one thing that they noticed they didn't have as much of before the farmers came. So what I want you to see is everything works on this principle of exchange. Bees, trees, and conference fees. <laughs> I remember years ago when I would travel and speak on children's ministry, and it was pathetic. I mean, I did a great job. Pastors would say, I don't understand what's going on. This was one of the best things our church has ever hosted, and yet these offerings that have come in are pitiful. He said, I know one church that sent 25 workers, and they didn't contribute a dime to this. They took advantage of it. They didn't give a thing. And so this pastor started praying for me because he felt like there was such an injustice with how I was treated because people don't give large sums of money to anything to do with kids. And so he started praying and God spoke to him and he came to me and he said, God's going to show you something about your money flow that you don't yet see. And it's coming very soon, but it's going to make a huge difference. Just that little thought put me in a search, and I started making it a matter of prayer. God, what is it that I'm not seeing? I don't know. I think it had to do with reading an airline magazine, because in the airline magazine, there was a conference on negotiating by a guy named Chester Karras, and I'd see that ad every time I'd fly. And he would charge a fee for his conference, a huge fee, but it was how to negotiate. And they would do these seminars and hotels all over the country. And I thought, why couldn't I charge workers a fee? 
And my thought is, I can't. It'll turn them off. But I finally did it. 20, 25 bucks a person. I forget which it was. The attendance tripled. My money problem was over with that one stroke. Because when people started paying for what I was teaching, and it was worth every penny of what they were paying, and they went home with stuff they could use, and they were glad to get it, not a one walked out and said, you ripped me off. Nobody said that. They went out and said, thank God I heard that. He helped me with my ministry. And so that helped pay my bills. I would never have made it to television with Gospel Bill had I not learned how to make money. 1991 was one of our peak years for finances. We did about $3 million in that era. And my business administrator came to me and said, 94% of all of our money comes from sales, only 6% from offerings. In all the years that I did Gospel Build, there was one church, one, that supported me on a monthly basis to do the TV show. And they gave me $100 a month. And the month that I started Church on the Move, they cut it out. So then I had none. I had one-time offerings here and there, but nobody ever, no church ever supported what we did. They never looked at us like a missionary. If I hadn't learned how to make money selling products, the ministry would never have happened. I look back on it now, and I say, thank God. Because I can communicate to people who are in business and I can help people who are having a problem creating that supply. So here's how you got to think. I'm not thinking about how can I get your money. I'm thinking about what do I have that you need that I can bless you with. And it creates a pipeline to you. What do I have that no money else is doing? What do I have that I can do better than what other people are doing. That's where you start. And you start right now on the job you've already got. I think we dream and we think if if we lived in an ideal world, I'd have this kind of a company, I could do this. But can I tell you something? If you don't start with the now, you're never going to get to the new. It is the now that opens the door for the new. So I want you to see, you need to start thinking about what can I do right now? Some of you ought to think about a six-day project, something that you do either after work or on Saturdays. Nobody that I know of who's ever made it successfully works just five days. Everybody I know who has done well financially spends the equivalent of six days a week working. That's what the scripture says. Six days shalt thou do thy labor. I don't think we got to be rigid and say you got to work full eight hours on Saturday. But one of the things I started doing is spending a couple of hours after leaving the kids, went to bed, honing my skills. We bought houses that needed work. In the evenings, Deliva and I would fix them up. We would paint. We would re-carpet. We would spend a little time in the evenings. We would spend a little time on our Saturdays working on that house. The first one we bought here in Tulsa, we made $10,000. The second one we bought here in Tulsa, we made $12,000. The third one that we bought here in Tulsa, we sold and made $54,000. I kept working up like that, and eventually we bought 80 acres of property in the country 
When I sold that, I made a million dollars off the sale of that over what I put into it. What I want you to see is that I did that working my butt off. Every evening when I got in, I put a few extra hours in. I paid for this, I paid for that. I improved the property, and one day it came time to sell it, and God blessed us. Listen to me. You have to take responsibility for your money. You're expecting someone to look out for you, the company you work for. That's great. It's good to have a good boss. But I want to tell you something. In the, in the long run, it's going to be you. I didn't say you needed to quit your job right now, but you know what? Could it be that there's something that's close to your heart that you could start doing on the side? You know, for years we published children's ministry curriculum, and I would go out and people would say, you teach on puppets. Where do you get your puppets? I think we want to use puppets, but we don't know where to get them. And so I said, I have a syllabus that I gave you. If you look on the back page, there's six different puppet manufacturers. My secretary was talking to one of those puppet people one day, and they said, they were laughing. We've been following Willie George. We know where he goes. Everywhere he goes, we get bombarded. Please send me your catalog. So we know Willie George was just in New York or he was just in Washington or he was just in Indianapolis because we got bombarded with letters from all over Indiana wanting catalogs for puppets. And one day while she was telling me that, I thought, you know, that's pretty stupid. I must be the number one salesman for about five or six different puppet companies and I don't get one red cent in commissions. So I went out and found three or four ladies in Church on the Move who could sew, actually in, in the church we attended at the time, one church on the move, uh, but I found those ladies that could sew. I turned them loose. And the next time I went out to do a conference, people said, where do you get your puppets? Right over here. <laughs> you know, it never was a great stream, but it helped. You see, these little extra things you do, it may not be enough to pay all of your bills, but it helps. And when that kind of money comes in, don't run out and buy a boat. Don't run out and spend it right away. Use that money as get-ahead money. Buy tools for your business. Use it to invest in making more money. Turn it and use it to get ahead. The Bible talks about money coming in two ways. It's bread for the eater and seed for the sower. And you know what a lot of people do? They eat everything that comes in as their bread. And they don't think about any of their stuff being left over to plant as seed. You've got to hold back some of what you take in to plant as seed so that more comes in. That's how money works. And so, <clears throat> I don't want to take all of your morning, but I want you to go out and stew on this. And you know what I know? This is how I know God works. God will give you ideas. He blows me away. Because people come back to me and said, I heard you talk, and I went out, and he gave me the most amazing thoughts about what I should do. And it was simple. And I'm not going to limit God by trying to tell you how it all works. Lady here in our church had breast cancer, was a survivor. I think I got the story right. And she learned through her experience that going to a spa 
was a very uncomfortable thing for a cancer patient. Sometimes your hair is not there. Sometimes you feel very inadequate because of maybe you've had a mastectomy. She created a spa with the specialty of ministering to cancer patients. Now, anybody else can come too. It has been a huge hit. And it causes people to want to go. And people who have experienced cancer share their story. And the next thing you know, somebody ought to do this. This extra plan that you may come up with might start out with this thought. Why doesn't somebody do something? Maybe that somebody's you. Thank you very much.